And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at richarddugan.com. The podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, Player FM, Blueberry. I almost did it in one breath. Came close, so I've got too many too many podcast locations, but not too many because we're just trying to expand. Hey, I also want to thank those of you who have uh, been reposting to other uh, sites, other podcasting sites too. I really do appreciate that. It you know it's you don't have to do that, but I thank you for doing that. Uh, also, want to remind you uh, that you want to listen to the podcast because a lot of times, with our guests' permission, we sometimes go longer than the allotted fifty minutes that uh, they normally give us. So we encourage you to go to the podcast on those locations and then also click on their name. Usually the name will take you straight to their website. If you're listening to SoundCloud, there's a little grocery cart as well. You click on that, it takes you to their website as well. And if you like what we are doing, if you like the fact that we are trying to change the world one program or podcast at a time, uh, just putting the ideas out there, considering the possibilities Uh, and you'd like to become a part of it, you'd like to support us financially, we would be ever so grateful. And um, you can do that through PayPal and Patreon. We have accounts. We have links, both on the homepage as well as the the missions page of richarddugan.com. But also when you go to SoundCloud and you go in to tell me your story, there's going to be a blue button you can press to contribute through PayPal. So uh, I thank those who have. I thank those who will. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I also thank those who have been listening <clears throat> because in the uh, two years and four months that we have been podcasting, we've had 16,800 plus listens. Now, granted, I have a lot of interviews up on, up on SoundCloud over the last two years and four months, but be that as it may. Uh, And we get around, too. I mean, we are being listened to all over the world. I will not bore you with the list of countries. Just put it this way. There are 50 out of 194 countries represented in our listing of countries listening to this program. And I think that that's quite remarkable when you think about it. Well, think about this. Think about your growing up. And coming in contact with individuals who maybe they're like-minded like you. I know that I came across folks as I was uh, growing in my what I called my search at the age of 17 who were just as curious, had some answers. But it's like when you get the answer to a question, then more questions come. Uh, And you're able to kind of dialogue back and forth and exchange ideas. Well, my guest today did that with me. Back in the early days of my career, back in the 80s, early 90s, and we used to stand around chatting, and I've shared this before with folks whenever I use a Star Trek analogy. He used to tell me that uh, Next Generation, the series Next Generation Star Trek, was our modern-day mythology. was Jean-Luc Picard and Worf and number one, uh, Bill, uh, uh, Will Riker and the rest of the crew. And I actually have him on the phone with me today to talk about some of the things, not only that we talked about, but some of the ideas and the philosophies that are out there 
that have shaped our lives and where we are going, along with a bunch of other things that we'll talk about. His name is Roland Foster, and uh, Roland, you're coming to us all the way from, and uh, I know I'm not, I don't have the right city. What, what city in Arizona are you coming to us from? Uh, Globe. Globe. I was going to have it right. I'll be damned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you and I, my gosh, we worked together uh, 30, 40 years ago. That's right. Hard to believe. Oh my gosh! And I have to—I have—I'm going to tell you straight up. You sound exactly the same as you did then. Your voice okay. hasn't changed at all. And I didn't realize you were what twelve years older than me. I think that's right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sixty this year. <clears throat> yeah. Unbelievable. In any event, we used to have very, uh, very interesting conversations about metaphysics and spirituality and. And in a way, wouldn't you say, sort of ironically, at an evangelical, fundamentalist, Christian radio yes. station? Yes, that was amazing. So, that, uh, go ahead. Because we, we worked for that uh, evangelical Christian station, and we're both interested in uh, metaphysical subjects, talking about it a lot, that uh, made it interesting. I still remember what... The boss said to me when I left in 95, he said that I was a casualty of Christian radio because I did not tow the party line. And I found it difficult to tow the party line because it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Um, I was the same way. I mean, in all honesty, I started working there because I couldn't find another job, you know. At the time, but it's interesting. I didn't realize until the last time I talked to you. I left there in '95, and so you must have left just a very short time after I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of envied you your your transition to wherever it was you went next. And um, I'm still here. And you, and yet you're Same still place. there, and I'm in Santa Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? Well, what? Go ahead. No, I let you finish your thought there. Oh, I was just going to say. I am glad you gave the introduction that you did, because when you asked me to be on your program, uh, I was flattered but kind of puzzled, because uh, I haven't written any books, I don't do seminars, and I don't know of any reason why anybody would care what I think, but I totally share with you the joy of just discussing uh, subjects with other like-minded people. And with that, with that in mind, let's do it. All right. Well, first of all, <clears throat> talk to us a little bit about uh, the philosophies that initially started you on your journey, uh, whether it was forty or fifty years ago or more. Whenever that, whenever that spark uh, began to grow in you, saying, "I know there's more." Uh-huh. Um. It's changed a lot over the years, and I think the first thing, first time I found out that there was anything like um, metaphysics or an an unusual way to, another way to look at the world, I was introduced to what at that time was called religious science. Uh, Today it's called Centers for Spiritual Living, or the New Thought Movement. And uh, interesting cycles... While I never totally left that, I did explore other avenues. 
and that's where I am now. I've gone gone back to that. And uh, I got to meet a religious science minister, and I couldn't believe that there was a church that taught stuff like that. And so that's what originally um, awakened my interest. I find it interesting, too, the, <clears throat> um, if, if we look at Christianity, and especially from the perspective of that radio station we both worked for, the evolutionary process that took place over the course in my in my uh, from uh, in my uh, uh, situation for 15 years i mean i remember in 80 when i started working there uh, hellfire and brimstone uh, that the aids crisis which broke out about then was god's judgment yeah. on first of all the gays homosexuals what have you uh, and then, of course, it started to spread to heterosexuals. Now, what are you going to say? Right. And and then I started wondering. Okay, so what are they saying today about COVID nineteen, the coronavirus? Now, hmm. I'm not listening to those stations. I don't associate with uh, uh, folks of that philosophy, other than if I have them on the program. Um, and I, but what really troubled me more than anything else regarding COVID is the fact that it's been turned into an enemy and that we're at war. Uh, and that's what really troubles me. Now, <clears throat> I say flippantly here, uh, Roland, because I don't know that uh, we don't have some listeners who who haven't been impacted by this in terms of family members getting it or they getting it. Granted, we've all been impacted because of the, the, the economic uh, slowdown. That's what I'm going to call it, slowdown, because it'll pick up again. I, nothing's permanent. But <clears throat> um, I put it this way. Uh, you and I would understand this, I think. Where is the prime directive when you need it of non-interference? I mean, this is just a, 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 a virus. It's Who knows if it isn't sentient and conscious of, of, of its existence and it's aware of its, its presence. And it's just trying to survive. That's all it's doing. Uh, you know, and again, I say that flippantly, but why do we have to go to war? I, I, I've never understood that, especially in this context. And we can't even see this quote unquote enemy, as it's been said, but we're at war. And so now we're on a wartime footing and it's like, my goodness, do we never say that about a hurricane or a tornado or an earthquake or a volcano or a tsunami? We're not at war with the earth. How is it that we're at war with this thing? And that was what was so strange. But in yeah. terms of your observations, if, if, we can, if we can dive in a little bit, <clears throat> of some of these philosophies of the various, I call them sects of Christianity, uh, were there any that struck you as uh, uh, philosophies that were interesting, curious? I'd like to know a little bit more about them, because I know that unity, for example, and obviously Christian science, and there are a few others that would be considered on the fringes. And back then, of course, they weren't even considered Christian. Yeah. And yet these people have incredible devotion uh, and compassion for one another. Uh, what are your thoughts about the evolutionary process of these various uh, philosophies that, that you and I have, were, were surrounded by back then? Well, it is interesting. I think uh, 
ideas of unity, for example, that you mentioned, which is, uh, which I love unity, it's very similar to religious science, uh, basically is an extremely positive view of the universe, whereas the uh, evangelical Christian, it seems to me, is almost totally negative. Whatever, for example, whatever scripture they're interpreting, if there's a negative way to interpret it, they choose the negative one. Like we were all born in sin, and uh, you have to earn God's love, and you switch over to the other extreme, I don't know if that's an extreme, where uh, we all participate as God, we are God, uh, totally positive, uh, totally love, including everybody. So that's the biggest difference, I think. Um, I was going to say something else, and it slipped my mind. Must be, must be my age. I was, I was going to say, well, <clears throat> to quote Steve Martin, well, must not have been very important to you. Wouldn't have forgot it. That's oh, right. I remember. I'm radioactive. Shake. Sorry about that. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that was during our time, folks. I, I can't help it. Yeah. So as uh, Professor Irwin Corey would say, uh, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> uh, your observations of the evolutionary process, both of those philosophies, I've noticed that I don't hear, when I have tuned into some of these, on occasion I'm just flipping channels, whether it's radio or television, I'm not hearing anything about the devil or Satan. Uh, yeah. I'm hearing more of, and there was a lot of criticism back in the 80s and 90s about those churches and ministers who were pushing the positive message. Like, um, who was the guy with the Crystal Cathedral? Charles? Was it? Oh. Uh, Schultz. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not the creator of, of Peanuts, folks. Right. Um, and and his was he I mean he always had a oh, smile Schuler Schuler yeah. he always had a smile on his face yeah you know he was doing what you and I are supposed to do in broadcasting when we're doing a commercial or something smile as you're doing it you know they'll hear it and it'll be exciting and but he he was he was one of the early pioneers if you will I think mm -hmm. uh, uh, another one Zig Ziglar yeah. uh, I think Kenneth Copeland was kind of like that. Uh, but there were many others who just, uh-uh, they, 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 you know, it's it's hellfire and brimstone, and there, there was just no changing that. That's the way it was, because that's what the book says. But the book says a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, know. right. Um, well, I'm not sure that that's actually changed with the diehard uh, fundamentalist. Yeah. But uh, I remember now what I was going to say. I think there definitely has been an... Uh, uh, I guess you'd say evolution, and that uh, teachings like unity are more acceptable in the mainstream, even though they may not actually be called called that. Yeah. Because you hear more and more, uh, God is love. We're hearing now during the COVID-19 crisis, we're all in this together. Yeah. And uh, so I, I think it is true that it's become become more uh, more mainstream without actually claiming what it is. You know? Yeah. And, and I have to tell you that it is, interestingly enough, it is very refreshing to hear those kinds of messages mm -hmm. because as I was growing 
in that process. And, and I, I even go back to these journals that I was writing. And I started writing a journal when I was 21. I was given one of those blank books, you know. And I go back and I read some of that stuff. And I'm going, really? Did I really say that? You know, oh, my God, I sound, I sound so Protestant. And I went through both Protestant and Catholic phases until I finally, uh, I never became anti-anything. I just moved on, and I found that so sad that so many people become anti-this and anti-that. What is the saying that if you are running to something, you're running away from something, and vice versa, Uh, and that most people were doing that? I don't know if you remember the the Christian musician uh, or Christian artist, um, I think it was Omardian, uh, and his wife— uh, she she was going through a very tough time back in the late 80s uh, where she was in the 12 she was using a 12 step program and I had the opportunity to interview her and I, I'd be interested in your perspectives on this and she went through her whole story and we talked and talked and talked and what struck me was never once did she blame Satan or the devil or the evil one or anything like that. It was as if she was taking full responsibility for where she was in her life going through 12-step. And I almost challenged her on that, but there was something inside of me. I now know that it was the universe that was saying, no, you don't need to do that. She's fine. I wanted to challenge her saying, well, wait a minute, nowhere in this interview have you mentioned that the devil made you do it, like Flip Wilson. Right. Um, but it was like, Wow. And then different Christian authors that I would interview who had these different ideas. And it began to give me hope that maybe there is an evolutionary process uh, within this philosophy that we call Christianity. Um, but I just couldn't stay there. I had, I, and of course, now I consider myself a metaphysician. What do you have? A, I, and I realize labels are just what they are, labels. But do you have a particular, shall we say, moniker that you kind of adhere to or... Is is it just is it is it just open? Um, no, I really don't. I, I would say it is open, although, like I said, I I am partial to the the new thought. But that's probably the main thing that I would say to people is to not get caught up in just one thing. Um, if you want to affiliate with a particular spiritual organization that you're comfortable with. For the community, you know, that's great, and I think that's a wonderful thing to do, but always be aware that you should be able to accept information from numerous other sources. Mm. That's the only way to uh, to grow spiritually, I think. Well, then we also have an interesting dynamic in that, uh, Roland, and that is, all right, I get that, but how do you know what the truth is and, I mean, these kind of go to fundamental questions of, of philosophy as well as metaphysics. Yeah. What is—and and here's the interesting juxtaposition. What is truth and what is the truth? <laughs> and I think that's kind of—I'd I, kind of like to look at that a little bit. What, what are your thoughts? That is a uh, really tough question, and I don't think anybody has the answer. Um. I think the only workable thing is that you have to uh, uh, go within and see what uh, resonates with you. 
But again, you have to be careful because there are people who say they have voices talking to them, telling them to go around killing people and stuff. But I totally believe that we're born with an innate knowledge of what's true. And uh, if we learn to be still and listen, we can get the right, right message that we need. I could not agree with you more on that, which is one of the reasons why we have been promoting 2020, the year of perfect vision. Uh, we are encouraging people to go within. Uh-huh. Um, that's where the answers are. And yet you and I both know that over the centuries, specifically the Catholic Church, but then certainly the, even the Protestant Church uh, would have its hierarchy. And you had to go through the hierarchy in order to get to God. Talk to us a little bit about your experiences, if you will, and or your understanding of uh, this still small voice. How are you certain that it isn't one of those other voices, uh, you know, that's telling people to do God awful things uh, in terms of this whole aspect of going within and seeking guidance and direction and even peace and calm? Well, first and foremost, if the uh, inner voice, and it doesn't have to be a literal voice, but if the uh, inner voice is telling you to do something that harms another person or is uh, destructive, then you can know for sure that it's not, uh, it's not from God. And I tend to think that... Um, well, if you just think about it for a minute, the whole idea of divinity, how can it not be anything but positive? Because if it weren't, there would be human beings that were more positive than God. Mm-hmm. That can't be impossible. That can't be possible. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. So it, it, it has to be, um, if it's constructive and helpful, and contributing to, uh, uh, you know, I also enjoy um, musical mantras. I a couple of years ago I discovered Diva Primal. Are you familiar with her? No. She's a recording artist that sings uh, mantras like uh, the Gayatri mantra and stuff, and puts them to beautiful music. And so I've started to totally enjoy that. And. That's another way to, um, I think, through music, to communicate with divinity. And once again, I have to confess that I lost my train of thought. I hope you can edit this show. Well, I think that one of the aspects of understanding God, wouldn't you say, is understanding self? Of course, yes. Okay. Now, you have been around on this planet for what? About 72 years? 73. Mm-hmm. Plus. How well, I'm just curious, you can answer one of these two questions. How well do you know yourself now in this 73rd year? Or, I'll give you a choice. <laughs> it's like Jeopardy. Um... What do you think the process is 
for one learning about themselves. I mean, the true self. Okay. Uh, what was the first one again? How well do you know you, Roland, here in seventy third in your seventy third year? Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, it's interesting. I've been a student of spirituality. I've been focused on spirituality for more than 40 years. And um, I feel like just in recent, the last year or two, that I'm starting to really understand what I thought I was understanding 40 years ago. So in other words, it's a constantly evolving thing, and my, my view changes it adapts. It doesn't. Um, I'm not saying I'd fly from one thing to the other and abandon one thing, and then totally accept another. But uh, I enjoy learning from all kinds of different sources, and it. You can't expect to really deeply understand something like this from the very beginning, which is unfortunate because. If you want to try to explain it to somebody who doesn't know anything about it, it's almost impossible to explain it and make sense, even though, even though you know clearly what you're trying to say. It's a matter, do you really get it? And I thought I got it, and I may have gotten it on a superficial level, and now I think I'm getting it at another level, but I would never presume to say I really know it. I don't know if that answers your question. Well, it actually does, and, and I would codify it down to <clears throat> what my brother and I had a conversation in this regard. I was sharing him all of these wonderful ideas that I had come up with and where I was at spiritually and da-da-da-da-da and the insights that I had and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. To which he responds, and by the way, I was 33 at the time, which I looked at even before I made it to 33, was a very important year. I mean, Jesus was crucified at the age of 33, for Uh goodness sake. Uh, And I said to him, I said, well, you know, Mike, it's not when you get it, but that you get it. Yes. And the other element of it, too, I'll throw in, and I was given this quote at the age of 21. And I was, of course, already working at the religious station, but this was given to me from someone else. Because I was getting a little, a little big from me britches. I was thinking that I knew so much, which I guess people at that age tend to do. Mm-hmm. And I was told this, and I've, I've never forgotten it. It is always best to begin in doubt and end in certainty than to begin in certainty and end in doubt. Mm-hmm. And a third quote of mine to one of my sisters in a conversation we had similar to this but she was coming from a very strict and religious, uh, 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 a very strict and rigid uh, philosophy, Christian philosophy. And I said to her, my beliefs of yesterday are not my beliefs of today are not my beliefs of tomorrow because I'm still living and experiencing and growing. And I don't have all of the answers and I may never, but I am going to continue to search and I think that's really what you're trying to say is is that we can't stop. Um, 
if we're if we're true seekers of the truth, uh, and and I'm wondering the difference. I, I, help me out here. Did, would you say that the difference between truth and the truth is that the truth is personal, individual? I don't have to justify it to you. All I have to do is believe it for myself. Whereas truth is objective, and I don't know if the word immutable is correct or not, but uh, that it is, it, it is not, um, it's not subject to uh, uh, um, dissection, shall we say. It is what it is. I mean, you take a look at the universe through, say, the Hubble telescope. The truth is, it's always in motion. You can't argue that because you all you have to do is look there. It's moving. You know, or if you look into the sun, it will blind you. We have examples of people who have done that. Our president during an eclipse looked at the sun uh, and we won't go there. Um, would you say that that's a fair uh, uh, definition of those two truth versus the truth? I think so. If I if I understand what you're saying, I think it's a matter of semantics. But I suspect that there is such a thing as a as truth on a cosmic level that doesn't change, uh, but on a more superficial or possible, possibly material level, the truth is constantly changing. And the uh, closest thing to absolute truth is always on a, on a spiritual level, such as well, again, you you have to believe this, but I would say one of the biggest truths is that uh, we're all one. There's only one thing happening. Uh, we're part of it, and that will never change, no matter how we choose to uh, seem, seemingly separate from that. Mm -hmm. So there is cosmic truth, and then there's truth that's true now, but may not be tomorrow. And that sounds to me kind of like what you were saying. Yeah. And it's, it is one of those things that, um, that we each have to grapple with. Uh, but as I'm sure you found, there were some of these ministers and pastors on the radio who claimed to, to have the truth. Mm -hmm. And oh, yeah. that th this is the way it is, this is the way it has been, and this is the way it will always be. And then something happens, and it's like, well, except for this. I mean, that was one of the things that I always had trouble with. For example, where Paul talks about in the, one of the epistles about how um, uh, it is appointed to every man once to die, and then the judgment. But in the Gospels, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So the first question is, was Paul wrong? Or did Jesus violate the law, the truth? Or third, was Lazarus really dead? What was what 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 really happened to him? Did he just have a seizure? You know, I, I, um, you know you can't you can't have it all of those ways. You you got to choose one. Uh, 
Yeah. And I so that was one of those examples that I br- would bring up saying, you know, explain it to me, Lucy. I, 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 I it doesn't make. And that's just what I why I say much of what I was told back then. I just couldn't accept because it didn't make sense. And I still believed then and I do now in God or a higher power, or universal truth uh, that uh, gave us these incredible brains to process and even in 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 the bible it talks about uh let us come together let's let us come and reason together well where do you reason you reason in your brain in your intellect logic yeah so uh, where does where does logic and reason play where does it play in these different philosophies these different ideas that you have uh moved through i like i like the way you describe that um, in terms of the whole uh, spiritual connection, uh, the the uh, uh, that intuition that you don't really need logic for, if you're listening to the still small voice and it says turn left, you can trust to turn left and everything's going to be fine. Because I don't believe the small that still small voice will, you know, your intuition will put you in harm's way. Um, but what are your thoughts in that regard to? Ba- the balancing between logic and intuition, or some would say being guided by the Spirit. Well, I think uh, exactly what you just said, uh, a balance, that uh, being that reason is extremely important, uh, but you have to uh, balance it with uh, intuition. Going by reason alone isn't quite enough because uh, as I had it explained to me once, reason kind of relates to uh, rational mind, which can be described as rationed mind, where you cut off a part of uh, the totality to study. So reason is extremely important to see how the world functions, but on a cosmic level, it seems sometimes to defy reason. I think probably on a on a larger scale, you can see anything that uh, makes sense if you can look at it from a higher enough plane. We have the cosmic laws, and then we have human laws. And if you feel trapped, you can look at the law you're living in right now, and you can break or bend that law to yield to a higher law to change what you're circumstances and your spiritual growth is. So the idea is not to throw away reason, but to use it, but not rely strictly on reason. There are a lot of people who see a lot of the absurdities of religion and Christianity. Very smart people, so they either become atheists or or uh, agnostics, or whatever, because what they see of religion makes no sense to them. But there's a possibility that there might be a spiritual outlook that does make sense to them. You don't have to throw away the whole thing because of the absurdities of the people who are most, uh, are the loudest in proclaiming what they call their truth. Hmm. Yeah. Well, 
that's, of course, one of the dilemmas that we all have uh, in, yeah. in the sense that in the sense that um, we have a situation right now in our country where people are arguing over the truth. Uh-huh. And of course they use the they use the uh the phrase fake news. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Uh either the tsunami washed out the uh nuclear power plant in Fukushima, uh, Japan, or it didn't. There is no fake news there. It either did or it didn't. And yeah. radiation is spilling into the oceans according to the Geiger counters that they've got out there. It either is or it isn't. There's no fake news here. Uh, they'll play back the audio of whoever they're uh, uh, questioning, saying, well, you said blah, blah, well, I never said that. And then they play the audio. Well, what a man. Well, and it's like, seriously? Um, talk to us about words having power, especially in this context uh, of what we're talking about of, of truth an understanding of ourselves, the universe, and our place in the universe. Well, what you just said a minute ago made me think of something that's a little bit off the subject, uh, the concept of media. And, of course, I'm interested in that because my whole life has been involved in the media. But um, the way that media has evolved has not been trying to think of the best way to phrase this, positive. I don't want to say don't ever trust the media, whether it claims to be a liberal or conservative, but remembering that all of the major media outlets are owned by five or six big conglomerates, and their business is to sell viewers or listeners, so they're not going to they don't necessarily have your interest at heart. So that's something to remember, that you will never find the uh, complete truth by listening to the average normal normal media. And it, and it appears to be worse now than ever before, but, you know, I guess all times it seems like that. But the evolution of um, Christian talk radio and uh, the blogosphere... And all that has taken a really big hold on uh, the minds of people, almost like brainwashing. And it's not just the, the conservatives. My mom is addicted to MSNBC. And uh, I don't know, as far as I'm concerned, MSNB is, MSNBC is Fox News for Democrats. You know? Yeah. So you have to be really, really, really careful. Well, I'll tell you a good way to put it. Uh, uh, seriously, I, I would say <clears throat> that if you are listening to something, radio, television, what have you, Internet, that does nothing more than support your opinion, your perspective. Exactly. Then you are listening to an echo chamber and that doesn't serve you. Right. Uh, it's it's where uh, and, and maybe you remember this. I was I also started out in my broadcast career working for Sun Sounds Radio Reading Service for mm-hmm. the blind and visually impaired. And I still yeah. believe to this day that is the ultimate format from the standpoint that they will read to you whatever it is that you want to listen to. 
uh, as uh, someone who can't read it uh, so that you can uh, make up your own mind and so on and so forth. Right. And no judgment. No judgment whatsoever. They're just putting it out there. Uh-huh. You know, that's why I always had to j- uh, chuckle at the at the uh, at the comments made. Uh, I think it was one of the slogans of Fox News, you know, that we present the information and you decide. And I'm thinking, uh, no, you no, you you decide. You decide what information you're going to give me. That's exactly right. Yeah. And and that's what's missing. So to me, the ultimate format would be if I was going to do a another news talk station. The ultimate format would be multiple news sources at the top and bottom of each hour from all of the different perspectives. Obviously, you wouldn't have them all in each of those slots, but you'd spread them out all over the, uh, the day part. And you would also have programming, uh, talk programming, that also came from different perspectives. Uh-huh. Now, do you remember the Fairness Doctrine? Oh, yes. And then, of course, Ronald Reagan... Eliminated it, along yeah. with the deregulation of the FCC. Which helped to create the current situation. Exactly. And I always thought, especially as public affairs director of that station, as I was for a while, that you wanted to get both sides or as many sides of a given story so that people could decide what they wanted to believe. And I still remember to this day when AIDS came out and um, there was a bill before the Arizona State Legislature to give gays the rights, give gays equal rights. Okay. And I invited the founder of what was it? Ex gays for Jesus or something like that (laughs) uh, to be on the program. And he refused saying, I'm not going to give the devil equal time. To which I said, we're not giving the devil equal time. We're trying to have a dialogue about this legislation, the pros and the cons. Well, of course, we never did the interview. But I thought that was that was so strange. Yeah. And that's what's happening today. It, I don't care whether it's CNN or Fox or any of the other left or right outlets. They, If they do have somebody on on the other side, they are attacked. And... And it's like, I never attack any of my guests, even right. if I disagree with them. Because what if I want them back down the road? You really think they really are going to... Now, some of them would say, well, you know, that's par for the course. I don't worry about that. It's oh, no problem. Uh, you go ahead and attack me. I'll be back, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that just, uh, to me, and I realize, you know, the business, uh, if it bleeds, it leads. And hopefully your <laughs> guest doesn't bleed. But, I mean, that's the, that's the kind of thing that, that has always been abhorrent to me, was that kind of... Uh, attitude. And that's why early on in my career, I refused at one point to ever do any more interviews regarding abortion, uh-huh. pro-life, pro-choice, because neither side was willing to move from their position. So what was the point? I just rerun the old interviews. Right. So when we start talking about this whole business of of disseminating information, um. And real journalistic integrity, which I realize is a little far afield from metaphysics, but it has to do with, I think, the whole aspect of getting the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth (laughs) before the people, right? Right. Try to get the truth wherever you can find it. Have you in your career ever found uh, this kind of resistance to... Wanting to dialogue from both sides? 
Oh, yes, constantly. And uh, especially at that station that we both worked for. Uh, I'll never forget Bob Larson. I'm sure you remember oh, Bob yeah. Larson's talk <laughs> show, where every show had a guest who uh, was wrong, who was a satanic, mm-hmm. and he would bully them. And whenever they tried to defend themselves, he'd call it anti-Christian bigotry yeah. and, and, uh, and all that. But, you know, um, one of the things that explains it clearly to me, it may not so much to people who aren't in the radio business, but I spend most of my life trying to learn how to spend a lot of time as a DJ and program director, spend a lot of time learning how to do that, that attracts the most listeners and stuff. And what happens if you want a large large audience for a for a music station, you pick the music that most people want to hear. You pick, you play back to them everybody's favorites. And uh, if you play a lot of unfamiliar music or a lot of new music, uh, you have possibility of losing people. These days, I think they introduce new songs like maybe once every, maybe once a week. They play like maybe once a week, which is for like 160 hours rotation, you know. So the point I'm trying to make is you program the music station to what the audience already likes. So switching to a news and talk or a station with pundits, if you want to get big ratings, you talk about things that the listener or viewer already believes. You can't obviously play the same news stories over and over, but the same spin, the same line, is feeding back to the audience what they already believe. Yeah. So people need to be aware of that. I did find it interesting that um, I remember one of the slogans that we were asked to use, and I actually switched it up, uh, was balanced Bible teaching. And... I remember listening to the majority of the programming and going, uh, it's anything but balanced. Diverse, it is. But balanced, it ain't. Because you had some programmers that would attack other programmers in spite oh, yeah. of the rules against that. Um, and that, that, you know, the program before was wrong and the program after is wrong. And then, of course, the next program comes on and says the same thing. And, um, and I thought... Yeah, even not just... Uh the so-called heathens or humanists, yeah. but other Christians. I remember working at another Christian station where they played the rosary every night, and people would call up and say, why do you have the rosary on a Christian station? Mm-hmm. Well, I used uh, to produce the Radio Family... Yeah, I used to produce the Radio Family Rosary program on KXEG back there. Uh, I did that for, I don't know how many years... I still have all of the materials that I used to produce it. Uh-huh. And um, I remember getting those calls, too. And then I saw so one day one person called up and was just irate. And I said, hold on a second. Wait a minute. Have you listened to it? I said, well, no, I really haven't. I said, well, if you listened to it, you would find every single phrase that is used in the rosaries is in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then the other point was, intercessory prayer 
That is all they are doing, is they are asking Mary to intercede for them. Well, but I can go to Jesus. Well, then why do you ask your fellow humans here on earth to intercede for you with prayer? If you, if you can go straight to Jesus, why do you need them to pray? Exactly. That's all they're asking of Mary or Joseph or St. Jude or St. Christopher or any of the others that they might pray to. It's not a devotion to Mary per se, though there is because she was the mother of God, the mother of Jesus. Uh, and so these were the kinds of things that I would try to share with people that would call in. Um, but again, I've, I've always been intrigued uh, by those Christians, uh, and again, this program isn't about Christian bashing, but those Christians who were willing to step outside the nine dots and consider other possibilities. I don't know if you remember me bringing to you uh, a book by an author by the name of John Noe, and he wrote a book called The Apocalypse Conspiracy had to do with the fact that he felt that Christendom had been taken down the primrose path. They'd been, that, that they were lying to the people because of what he found. And I remember reading, he was, his was one of the first books uh, of people I was interviewing that I actually read cover to cover. And I used a highlighter. Boy, I was highlighting all over the place. And finally I got to a point where I said, you know, I really don't want to be quoting John, so I'm going to do my own research. And so I researched one particular passage that he talked about in the book. Uh, and it, it's uh, I can't remember what epistle it's in, but Paul says they will be caught up to meet him in the clouds, in the air and in the clouds of glory. So I get my concordance and I get my Bible and I go into my concordance to that passage uh, in the New Testament portion of the concordance. There are two words. There was one word that he was trying to define. And the word was air. They will be caught up to meet him in the air in the clouds of glory. And there are two definitions of that word in the original language. The first definition is the, is the atmosphere. You know, you have the blue sky, clouds, airplanes fly through, birds fly through, and so forth, right? The second definition is associated with uh, the, the Old Testament passage where it reads that God breathed the breath of life into the nostrils of Adam. As, in essence, it's also connected to spirit. Well, John and both John and I did this research, although he did it first and then I made it my own. Uh, it's the second definition that is used in that New Testament passage. And what it said to him was that that rapture passage, I think that's what it would be called, is not an external process. It's internal. And then one other thing that he found, he says there's nowhere in the New Testament where it talks about the second number two coming of Christ. It never says second. It just says he will return. It doesn't say how many times. And I thought, wow, this guy is, he's going out there. And he's got the proofs to back it up. You know, I mean, are you going to argue with the concordance? You know, that's supposed to be, you know, you have to get to a point where you can't argue about your source material. I've got my Bible. I've got my Strong's concordance. Are they valid sources of information? Okay, then we cannot have an argument once we come to a conclusion as to the information that we're, we're cross-referencing. So that was one of the things that really intrigued me. Uh, and I'm wondering if, if you were able, if, if, did you ever do anything like that, any kind of, uh, any kind of research or, or investigation into some of these things? Or was it just you, you had this awareness within you that, hey, 
there's there's more to it than this, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna let it flow towards me and see what see what uh, matches up with my own personal philosophy, if you will. Well, I think I did I did both uh, a lot intuitive and a lot of research, and what you were just saying reminded me of uh, Una philosophy by Max Freedom Long, where he claimed that uh, the Gospels, particularly, the secret code is hidden in the Hawaiian language, and you can decode it with a Hawaiian dictionary. And uh, this is really interesting. I, did, I got into that for a while. Because the thing about the Hawaiian language is that one word can have numerous meanings, and some of them don't seem to relate to the other one. So if uh, you're looking at, say, the Bible, and take the word as it's commonly uh, interpreted, but use that same word by looking in a Hawaiian dictionary, you'll find another word that gives it a different meaning. That's the uh, code word. Hmm. And uh, that's uh, an extremely, extremely interesting subject, but... Uh, it takes a lot of work to get into that. Oh, yeah. But but you can learn from that by reading Max Freedom Law. Well, and of course, even in the 80s and early 90s, there were books that would come out speaking along those same lines, but using a different code. Maybe it wasn't the Hawaiian language, but it was maybe it was uh, a, a numerical code. Right. Uh, you'd have to go back to the original languages in order to know what letters were used, in order to know what values to place on each of the characters, and so on and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. Some even did use the King James Version. Uh, and then there's another one where, uh, and, and this is Greg Braden, who I've had on my program many times. I've interviewed him a number of times over the last 20, 25 years. Uh, and you may be familiar with him. Uh-huh. He wrote a book called The God Code. And he did a similar study. Only he didn't study it from the Bible perspective. He went into the DNA and the code of the DNA, that information. Hmm. And I, I, oh, I would have to get the book now to remember what the code said. And it was a very simple phrase like, uh, God is us or something along those lines. I mean, it was a profundity similar to that of the uh, episode of Star Trek, the two-part episode, I think it was, where they were scouring the galaxy, trying to find these remnants of DNA to put together. And they finally did, and it was the Romulans and the Klingons and uh, a couple of other species that all met on the planet's surface along with the, uh, the humans. And they put the last strand of DNA into the, co- into the tricorder, and all of a sudden this hologram pops up and says, uh, Hi, uh, if, if you're watching this, it means that you have discovered your connection to one another. And, of course, the Klingons, ah, that's, that's, that's disgusting, and then on and on and on and on. And all but the humans just didn't get it. It was, like, right over their heads. Yeah. And uh, Greg Braden did a similar study using the DNA, and he, there, there's a message there. And uh, I, I, it was like, wow, this is, this is truly profound. Mm, uh, that's so, interesting. I'll have to read that. Yeah. Look up, uh, yeah, get the God Code. Um, it's, it's, it's fascinating to hear these different ideas from people. They're not saying that they have the answer. They're just saying, this is something I've come up with and who knows, 
Next year, I may discover something else that'll completely annihilate what I'm telling you now. Yeah. But you know what? That's okay. Because that is kind of the evolutionary process, isn't it? Exactly. And we shouldn't be afraid of a mystery. There should always be a mystery. That's okay. We don't have to have the fake security of this is the absolute truth. I believe it now and it will never change. I still remember from our shared radio station the phrase, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. <laughs> the model to open-mindedness. <laughs> well, I don't know if you remember uh, one of our um, uh, late morning uh, programmers, Clyde Freeman. He really? usually came in on the phone. And um, one of the th- conversations he and I had was so fascinating. And he only used the thus saith the Lord scriptures. In other words, if God said it, i.e. even Jesus, the red letter edition of the Bible, then he would converse with you about it. But if it was Paul or any other man, no, I'm not going to go there. But uh-huh. he said to me once, and I think this was off the air, we were just chatting, because I always found him rather intriguing. He said, my mind is closed to the point that it will remain open. And I thought, that's an interesting turn of a phrase. I like that. Hmm. But he was willing to listen to people. And if they had a compelling uh, point... He would converse with them about it. Uh-huh. Uh, now, he never really agreed with, for example, Church of Christ. He never really agreed with Pentecostals or Southern Baptists or uh, Catholics. Um, I always found it interesting that, and I grew up next door to a family of nine Mormons uh, and learned not long after I started working at the religious station, the conflict that was supposedly between the two, yeah. um, that... Um, uh, it, it was just like, wow, here's a guy who's really, he's hes understanding that he doesn't have all the answers. He knows the source material that he will use to support his premise. And if somebody can come along with some additional source material that he would accept for his premise, then he, he'll, he will consider it. And he had some very uh, spirited but positive conversations with some of the people that would call in. Um, I just thought it was real interesting. Um, And it's wonderful that there are people out there that, in spite of their position philosophically, they're still open to conversation about these these things. And it's it's a wonderful thing. It's like you said. uh, Love to have that. Yeah, we really do. And that's one of the reasons why we do these programs, why we try to... to, I'd like to think we're edifying people. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're ent- entertaining them. <laughs> uh-huh. well, uh, as, as my uh, uh, cohort on the morning radio show would say, uh, you're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I still remember uh, one of these prayer programs that we had on the station, um, and they would come in and they would take phone calls and and what have you. And I remember after one of those programs, as I was in the, this was the new control room that we'd built out there at the transmitter site, you know, and, uh-huh. and uh, they came in there, said that we would like to pray for you to heal your eyes. We'd like to lay on your hands to heal your eyes. You know, uh-huh. uh, I think the phrase was to restore your vision. And I didn't want to do that because my vision when I came into this world wasn't so great, you know, <laughs> but I said, and, and at that time, this is where I was. I said, no, I said, I appreciate what you want to do. And, of course, I can't stop you from praying for me. But my purpose in life is not to get healed. 
At least that's not what I believed. And I, in a way, I still believe that. But uh, my purpose is to do what I do for you people, to, to put your programs on the air so that people can listen to them and make up their own minds. You know how I was always trying to clean up certain audio uh, from the cassettes that we would get mm-hmm. so that their message could be heard. I d- may not have agreed with it, but I thought, I think it's important that people hear this so they can decide for themselves. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to on this program. I mean, I, I sometimes get extremely enthused about what my guests have to say. Uh, and sometimes I get corrected or sh- I shouldn't say corrected. Um, I get challenged. Uh, by something I have said by one of my guests. And I say, hey, bring it on. I, I'm, I'm ready to listen, you know. And so I, I, I'm wondering, um, you, and the reason why we've reconnected, I should share with our listeners, is because of a woman who I've known, I've, I knew for 40 years. Uh, we both started out, I started out working at the uh, Sun Sounds Radio Reading Service, and she was one of the volunteers. And she uh, gave me, I don't know, some 500 cassettes, maybe more, of interviews that she either conducted or was a part of. And one of the tapes that I put in the machine to transfer to the computer was an interview that she was the guest of on your program, and I think it was called Perspectives. That's right. Yeah. And actually, there, was, there, are, more, there are more interviews with you and her. Um, and I find that, that, that interesting. W- was Perspectives on one of those Christian stations? Uh, yes, that's when I was uh, public awareness director of KMLE. And uh, how'd you get away with that? Because you and I both know that Ramona Richards, who's the woman I'm talking about, was very metaphysical. I mean, and face reading and and personality and those kinds of things. You know, those were not exactly in the mainstream. Yeah. <laughs> of of Christian well, philosophy. Well, I was pretty careful. Um, uh, it didn't get anything really blatantly controversial, but Ramona was pretty. Um, uh, I don't know what the word is. She was savvy. Savvy, yeah, that's it. That's exactly the word I was looking for. She she knew how to uh, to say things in ways that wouldn't uh, seem too out there, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was very good at that. And. Uh, so I can't remember exactly how it started. Uh, I got her on a program. See, I had several different public affairs programs mm-hmm. um, with different names, and I don't even remember all of them. But I'm sure it started with I interviewed with her, interviewed her, and then she eventually had her own program on our station. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. That was one of the aspects of Christian broadcasting back then that I found really intriguing. It, and especially for KXEG, it wasn't about having Christian programming. It was, if you've got the money, we'll put you on the air. Right. And, and the reason that I say that, you may not remember this. They may have gone off the air before you came on the station. Do you, uh, maybe you remember, uh, we used to run, I think it was on Sunday evenings, it was uh, the Nation of Islam with Louis Farrakhan. Oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> no, I don't remember KCG oh, playing yes. that. But I, oh, yes. In the early '80s, and I will never forget 
during that period of time in the early late 70s, early 80s in the South. And I think it was in either uh, North Carolina or I forget which one of the southern country, uh, states. They were th- there were these uh, 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 black children found dead over the course of several years. Mm-hmm. And I still remember to this day, Louis Farrakhan saying to the listeners, if the white man does not find the killer of our black babies, he will have to find the killer of his white babies. I could not believe, and I, of course, immediately, <laughs> I, I passed that on to the general manager. I don't know whether we pulled a program or, or what, but I was shocked that oh, that wow. was one of the programs on a Christian radio station, which, of course, I always refer to as a religious radio station, so it keeps it broader. Yeah. Uh, but that's something I found rather interesting. I mean, I was doing interviews on KXEG uh, constantly. And they gave me like the seven to eight o'clock slot to run a couple of interviews. And I kind of did the same thing as you described Ramona doing, because I knew where owner and management and advertisers and programmers and listeners were coming from. So I used the right terminology. So I, I never got a call. Never. Uh-huh. Um, so that's to me, that's real interesting. Did management ever say anything to you along those lines in terms of some of the guests that you might have had who maybe had a more of a an open spiritual or metaphysical leaning? Not that I remember. Um, I think we did that in a context of public affairs rather than religious program. But um, I was pretty careful, although I I did get people that I knew were um, leaning toward metaphysical yeah. occasionally. and uh, But they were all smart enough to... Uh, to uh, Keep it not too radical. Yeah. So I don't. I honestly don't remember a conflict. Yeah. I still remember one interview that I did, and it was with the author of a book that the author had channeled from Paul the Apostle, in essence, to explain the epistles. Hmm. And I thought this sounds an awful light like that. Uh, that one guy, the one professor, uh, that Stan Freeberg satired Marshall McMedium. Oh. <laughs> uh, and I can't remember the actual professor's name. I, for some reason, I never seem to remember. Uh, Marshall McLuhan. Marshall McLuhan. Thank you, Marshall McLuhan. And um, uh, I used to think, and I still kind of do, that if the if the believers back then in Paul's day had just gotten the message in the first place. Then the book, then the the New Testament would have ended with the Book of Acts and the Book of Revelation, because uh-huh. the epistles are nothing more than dealing with squabbles <laughs> that people are having over the theology and the doctrine and the dogma. Uh-huh. Uh, and so then I thought, okay, here's Paul coming back again in uh, 1990, whatever, uh, trying to explain his explanation, you know. Yeah. And I wish people with would get with it because I'm tired of explaining myself. And if you understood what I said, could you explain it to me? <laughs> you know, kind of right. thing. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it kind of um, simplifies things if you leave out the uh, the epistles. Yeah. You know, did you know that there is actually such a thing as Christian anarchism? No. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yes, it's really interesting. I wow. uh, I found out about it. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He's well-known, he won a Pulitzer Prize. Anyway, he considered himself a Christian anarchist. So I thought, really, is there really such a thing? So I looked it up, 
And basically what Christian anarchists believe, they're just like normal anarchists who don't believe there's any authority anywhere, where Christian anarchists believe there is no authority except the teachings of Jesus, specifically the Sermon on the Mount, and perhaps surrounding verses in Matthew. Mm. That's all you need. And I found that extremely interesting, and, and uh, while I'm not an anarchist, I kind of agree with that. If you, uh, I think that's enough. If you live by the uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount and things like that, that's a pretty good way to live, including a couple of things that are normally ignored by a lot of Christians, such as judge not and resist not evil. Yeah. We could, we could have a whole discussion about resist not evil. Well, I'll tell you what, I can put that into context when I talk to people about this. Consider evil as a giant brick wall. You can't go around it, you can't go over it, you can't go under it, and you can't go through it. And so what you do is, instead of pushing against it, trying to dig a hole through it, you turn your back and you walk away from it. And then you expend those same energies that you would have put into trying to get through it, around it, over or under it into those things that you really want to do, your life's purpose, your dreams and desires. Mm -hmm. Because the more energy you put into resisting evil, and this was said to me by a friend of mine, the more power you give it. And it's yours that you're giving away. Right, exactly. That's kind of the way I look at that passage. And I realize that there's more to that passage, but... That phraseology just, it's like, come on, why are we fighting? For example, if we were to label the the coronavirus the evil one, all right? Uh Well, yeah, you want to do things to help people get through it, all right? The right things. Some people are now saying that there is no vaccine that's going to help, that it's the boosting of our immune system through all of the already available vitamins and minerals that are out there, whether it's in the foods or on the, on the uh, uh, store shelves in terms of like vitamin C and B and getting out and getting sunshine, vitamin D, and, and the list goes on. That's what some people are saying. It's the only way. Well, guess what? You're no longer fighting the virus. Now you are, you are fortifying that part of you that will take care of itself, and it will heal itself. Mm-hmm. Big difference, huh? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and That's uh, really interesting. I like that. Yeah. I mean, this is what I'm hearing time and time again. And my wife and I, of course, I don't know about you, but we, we buy this uh, one product called Emergency in the uh-huh. different flavors. God, I love it. Um, and and I mix it with orange juice, and, oh, it's just it's tangy, it's tasty. Uh, and, and it's good for you. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's not a bad thing to, to have. Uh, there are other, other things that people can do, too. But I think that's part of that aspect. Uh, one other thing we'll touch upon before we wrap up here, because I know we gotta, we got to move on. Uh, but uh, that is the passage. Uh, by the way, I read a book years ago. Uh, it was called Communication with the Spirit World of God, written by Johannes Graeber. He was a German priest, Catholic priest. And this was stuff that was channeled through him, uh, kind of along the lines of Edgar Cayce. Mm-hmm. The channel was not too complimentary of the Catholic Church, let me tell you. Mm. But 
a lot of what it talked about was about what's really important. Well, Johannes Graeber also channeled a translation of the New Testament. One of the passages I found so fascinating, you know where it says, um, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness and all these things will be added unto you? Mm-hmm. Johannes Graeber's version, Seek ye first communication with the spirit world of God and all these things will be added unto you. Mm-hmm. Connect with the source. Connect with those spirits who've been through it and understand who can help you. Whammo, you're, you know, you're on your way. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's, it's just really fascinating what's out there, uh, what's available to people. And I have to say that the older the writing is, the more legitimate I, I tend to find it. Yeah. Have you ever? Yeah, it's like very recently, you know, I told you about my interest in the new thought thing. Yeah. Everybody is familiar with the science of mind and unity, but the original new thought uh, thinkers uh, before them, that there were, there were their teachers, uh, about a year or so ago I started reading them, and it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the farther, I guess you have to go back to the roots and you... You'll learn something if you don't learn everything. Right. I have a book on my stack of books uh, that's rather large in my in my office, as well as at home. But one in particular, uh, I never did get to interview the author because she passed away before I got a chance to. We had to reschedule, and next thing I knew, there was no schedule. But she wrote a book about Madame Blavatsky and mm-hmm. the Theosophical Society, I believe it is. Yeah. And it's like... I really wanted to learn about this woman because I thought it was real interesting, this particular philosophy. Well, there is someone else I'm going to be able to talk to about it uh, here locally. Um, But, um, you know, again, there are so many different. I mean, I've read all of the books um, by or about Edgar Cayce and his channeling and everything. I give the man credit for the fact that he maintained his own personal philosophical beliefs and yet was still willing to do the channeling. I mean, yeah. he, he grappled with that whole thing probably his entire life, mm-hmm. you know, and yet he still did it. And and as hard as that might have been for him, it's one of those things I think each one of us has to do is if there's something that is compelling you to, um, I don't know, channel some information, channel it, you know, put it out there. Don't fight it, you know, because yeah. it's going to come through one way or the other, you know. And it could benefit you, and it could benefit others. Reminds me of James Redfield in his book, Celestine Prophecy, where he talks about messages that we have for one another. Uh-huh. we got to share those. We absolutely have to share those, don't we? Because it can help someone maybe put together the puzzles, uh, the puzzle pieces of their life and help them to understand who they are. Yeah. You know? That's why I kind of like programs like this where we just kind of bat it back and forth. Uh-huh. It's very, very interesting. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Is there one thing that you could uh, tap into, that you could um, bring to the forefront that would maybe describe either A, your understanding of your place in the universe, uh, or maybe uh, who Roland Foster is? That is a really tough question, and you know what? I don't know how to answer it. 
Okay. I've been asking that question my whole life. Sometimes I think I have an answer, and, you know, I'm still wondering what I should do with my life, what I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. So I guess I'm probably always going to be like that. You know, that's not a bad way to be. Yeah. Because you can, you can always choose. That's what we talk about in this program, choices and knowledge of those choices. And it's not the same as dabbling and moving from thing to thing. It's, no. It's uh, taking what the good you can get from wherever you find it. You know, that's an even better point that you make. You, I think you addressed this earlier about how um, uh, especially uh, Christian evangelists, uh, whatever it was that they were looking for, they would find it. And they would keep looking and they would keep finding it. In other words, if yeah. you were looking for the devil, if that's all you were focused on, looking for the devil, well, no worries, you'll find it instead of that's looking right. for God. Right. Absolutely right. Yeah. You know, glass half full, glass half empty or positive, negative, however you want to view it. Uh-huh. You know, it's very interesting. Well, Roland, this has been fascinating. I've really enjoyed this and I wouldn't mind uh, doing another one of these down the road. Maybe after we, because uh, I honestly do believe, I'm not saying it'll be over by the end of May. Uh, I doubt it will be, but... I think that um, we're going to see some significant changes. And I also do believe, as many of my guests have said already on this program, we're in a glorious evolutionary slash transformational period in Mm -hmm. human history. Uh, I am not going to make the cliche that the COVID-19 virus has changed the course of human history because I don't know what the course was supposed to be. (laughs) <laughs> I always chuckle when I hear those History Channel uh, documentaries saying, and this particular event changed the course of history. Yeah. But I think that our transformation to the next level, I think, is literally right around the corner. I think you're right. Yes. Yeah. Before I let you go, and I've kind of addressed this, so I won't ask the first question because I've already asked it. Uh, and you've given me your answer. Uh, what I'd like to do is ask you the final two questions of my three-part uh, closing questionnaire. Uh, and thank you also for giving us uh, this time. And I appreciate your willingness to do this because I know you did have misgivings initially. And I think that uh, we pulled it off. Yeah, thank you for having me on the program. I enjoyed it. You bet. The second question, the first one was, who is Roland Foster? The second question is... What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? Hmm. I think, uh, do you mean specifically the work I'm doing in my job or uh, I would, in general? I, will, I would say general, and I would even tie it, because normally I don't define this out. I let the guest figure it out. But maybe in general, but tied to your uh, philosophical underpinnings. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, what that, the first thing that, that makes me think of is the concept that uh, some people have written about equating God with good, uh, positively, positivity. So anything that is good is... Uh, spiritual. So if you expand that to such things as music and art and culture, if you devote time and energy to things such as art, culture and music, that's positive 
and uplifting. That may not be spiritual in the um, conventional sense, but uh, it's still spiritual. And, uh, and I'm still on the radio after all these years, and I can't get overtly spiritual. But I think by pushing a positive message and especially sharing um, even pop culture things that are of a positive nature and uplifting and beauty and mm. truth and peace, that's uh, doing something to help make the world better. Final question. I'm probably going to get the same answer as the question number one. <laughs> what is your life's purpose? Hmm. I honestly, like I said before, I keep asking that question. <laughs> okay. I'll share <laughs> I've some... never had a definitive answer for that yet. I understand. I will share with you something that I just pulled up here, uh, and you'll get a kick out of this, I think, uh, along with another phrase. A dream you dream alone is only a dream. A dream you dream together is reality. Mm -hmm. And we are working together collectively across this planet through these programs and others, through our efforts and other efforts, to make this world an even better place than it is now. And it ain't a bad place. Matter of fact, in my promo, I say, that, uh, you know, we want to change the world. That's not to say that uh, this is an awful, horrible, terrible place. Let's get the heck out of here. No. Being grateful for where we are and dreaming yeah. bigger and bigger. And the reason why I said this would be an interesting quote for, uh, that you might find interesting is because there was another quote. You and I quoted all the frickin' time at the radio station, uh, usually after we had to deal with some some situation, some catastrophe or disaster or, or whatever it was at the station. Uh -huh. And uh, it went to basically, oblady, oblada, life goes on, <laughs> life goes right. on. <laughs> right. And, and it, you know what? I, st I still do that sometimes. Oh, do you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very good. And this is also a quote about the dream. A dream you dream alone is just a dream. A dream you dream together is a reality was a quote by John Lennon. Uh-huh. I like that. Yeah. Well, Roland, again, I thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun, and I do hope we get a chance to do this again. Maybe we'll we'll uh, codify it down to, to uh, a couple of specific things. I know that uh, for me, I know you've read a lot and I've read a lot, and I think about how many books I've read. At first glance, I'm thinking, I haven't read anything. I haven't read the classics and this and that and the other. One of my favorite books, you might, if you haven't heard of it, you, you might want to look it up. It's called The Impersonal Life. And this was a book that oh, Ramona yeah. Richards gave me. She gave that to me on my 21st birthday. She actually left it on my doorstep, see, uh, even though, you know, it was, uh, she signed it with a huh. quote in there. And I've been reading it ever since. I've had to have the book rebound in a spiral binding, but I've also found it on Audible. And it's just a fascinating uh, a conversation that, that I, I, I try to tell people about all the time. Hey, you know, see if you can find a copy of this book. It's not that hard to find and read it because I think it'll, it'll give you some insight. It's just really neat. Oh, that's a wonderful book. Yeah, yes, I remember really reading. I think my favorite uh, comment from Ramona was if she were ever trapped on a desert island and was told you could have one book with you, 
that was the book she would have. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, Roland from Globe, Roland Foster, I thank you so much. Uh, it's great not only to reminisce and catch up, but also to to share these wonderful ideas. And we will do this again uh, in the not-too-distant future, and we will definitely stay in touch because uh, I, I, I like... Uh, to I'd like to uh, get into some conversations, some challenging talk. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe I might even see if I can't uh, set up some kind of a roundtable conversation or discussion uh, where I can have some folks on Skype and you can be on the phone and um, and we can sort of throw some ideas around. As a matter of fact, a great idea would be um, I have a friend. He's a doctor of philosophy, uh, uh, Will Lynn, uh, and he... Uh, uh, he and I did a series of programs in 2014 on Mythosophia, the exploring the depths of myth and wisdom. And uh, I think that it would be very fascinating to have a, a conversation in that regard uh, to our evolution. Maybe uh, the conversation might be along the lines of our evolutionary process and where we have been and why it seems it's taking so long and, yeah. uh, uh, and where we're going. Uh, what and or who will we be? in 100 or 1,000 years, assuming we don't destroy ourselves in the process. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> well, well Roland, thank you, Richard. I enjoyed it. You are very welcome, and I did too. I'm Richard Dugan. You've been listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast podcast, love to love.